right? We got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F that. You don't got time to say. All right, let's go. Break it. Break it. Let it cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Derek Johnson and Nick Springer on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Hey, what's going on? It's a Friday here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. I'm Nick Springer in the KLWN studio, joined by Derek Johnson via, uh, I don't know, via what? Via the internet, I guess. <laughs> via the interwebs, via, via yeah, via um, satellites, Bill Gates, via <laughs> via Bill Gates, yeah, we'll say that. Yeah. Via Bill uh, Gates, via Zoom, via Bill Gates. Yeah. Uh, Derek joins as he's yeah. been on the road for Big Twelve Media Day, which wrapped up, but uh, you're still on the road, Derek. So he'll be back in studio on Monday. Uh, we talked yesterday. It was, it's hot in Texas. You got any other interesting tidbits or updates? No, not really, not really, man. I'm just. Uh, Excited that today's a Friday, and you know, yep. as as we've noted every Friday, that means uh, we have technically made it one week closer to the KU football season, and that's the case again today. We are this is the week for me where it starts to feel a lot closer. Maybe it's because we just had Big Twelve Media Days, but like seven weeks out, that to me feels pretty tangible. No, I agree with you. I do think that this year it's been a little bit different because of the fact that. I feel like KU's run of recruiting through June and into early July kind of kick-started the excitement and everyone was like already hyped about all that stuff. But yeah, I think from the perspective of like getting into the season, Big 12 media days, now you're seven weeks out, it, it finally feels like you're on the runway, we're ready to take off into the season. So I agree. I think from the fan perspective, though, it feels like the hype has already been kind of gone for a little bit because of KU's run of success they had recruiting-wise. Uh, so... I, but I, I agree with you. I think now, to me, it's like tangible. It's like, okay, you can almost see the light at the end of the tunnel. The pain and misery is about to come to an end. KU football, back. Yes, 100%. So as, as we've been doing here with our countdown to the season, with it seven weeks out, today is going to represent the number seven. Um, and, and the first thing I want to talk about here is seven is the amount of losses that they had in 2022. Finished six and seven. And kind of the way it finished, you lose seven of your final eight games. How much does the way that that ended, the way that the bowl game ended, where you were so close to pulling off this miraculous comeback, how much do you think that adds extra motivation for this year from that, that's going to help KU this season to where, you know, it would be very easy if you're Kansas to, to have a party type offseason after you finally made a bowl game. But the fact that you ended that way leaves a bitter taste in your mouth to where you would think there is still a ton of motivation headed into this year. Oh, yeah. It became clear, very clear back in like February and March before the start of spring ball when we had a couple of chances to talk with some of the players and whatnot. It became very clear at that moment. So, you know, four or five, six months ago that KU, the the team, the the, the program was very, very not satisfied with how the season ended. They, they really wanted that that bull win, obviously, as many fans did. But, you know, I think from the fan perspective, 
a lot of fans were just happy to be there. They were just happy about the experience. Uh, you know, win or loss, they were going to go away from the season feeling great about it because of how the things transpired earlier in the year. But certainly from inside the program, yeah, it was very clear that, that they wanted to wipe away that thought process of, oh, yeah, we had a good season. Now we can just kind of kick it up. No, they, they definitely want a lot more. And again, that, that to me has been going on since February and March before the start of spring ball. So it's it's very, very obvious that internally KU is not is not viewing last season as like a, I, I guess, peak moment or like, you know what I mean? Or they're not resting on their laurels about it. They definitely want to uh, continue to continue to build, right? And I, and I think the other fascinating part about this is I think it's funny when you said losing seven of their last eight games because that is true, but did it feel like that? Did it feel like that after the season was over? No, it felt like the whole season you were winning games. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know how, I don't know how to describe it. I don't know if it's like uh, what the right way to describe it is, but from the fan perspective, it felt like the whole season you were just, it was just great, right? It was just, uh, just because of the fact that you'd never had a season like that. You know, I mean, you think about seven losses for KU football. Seven losses for any other program is like average to bad. Seven losses for KU football. That's the least amount of losses they've had in 15 years since the Orange Bowl season. Or since the year after the Orange Bowl season, I should say, in 2009. So, so I mean, uh, yeah, I don't think KU football internally, even this the moment after that game was done, uh, had any sense of accomplishment or any sense of, hey, we made it. No, they definitely want to keep going. Yeah, 100%. So uh, that's that's a good number there. Um, another number that seven represents is if they can get to that and wins this season, obviously that would um, be an upgrade on the amount of wins that they had last year and, and kind of keep the, you know, progress isn't always linear, but it'd be nice if the wins continue to go up and that would be the most wins for the program since the 2008 season when you won eight of them in route to winning the Insight Bowl, seven in the regular season and kind of keep that arrow pointed up. But when you think about, this program just where it is going with the recruiting class they have in tow i kind of think that like if they go five and seven this year it's not going to be a disaster it's not going to be the end of the world they'll still get through it the program will still be on you know i think the positive uptick moving forward but it's the opportunity that you have this year where if you can get to seven plus wins if you can improve that win total i i think the momentum will just continue to barrel on itself because right now it feels like it's hitting a point that we've almost never seen for KU with, with the recruiting and stuff like that to where if you can just keep capturing that momentum, it makes you think what heights can they get to even beyond where they're already getting right now. Yeah, it felt like last season going into the year, there was a very clear discussion of KU needs to win X number of games. KU needs to win three games, right, in order for you to feel like it's a successful season. They need to win. They need to get to that number, right? If they don't get to that number, it's a failure. With this going into this season, I I don't feel the same way at all about this season, right? Like uh, obviously, I would like to see KU get back to a bowl game, and I would like to see them maybe even win a bowl game. But like you said, if if KU ends up with a five and seven season this year, you know because they they played it, they are going to be playing a much tougher schedule, and they're competitive in all their games, and it's still you know you still kind of are able to maintain that. I'm not going to be viewing that as as a failure at all. Whereas like last year, if KU and if hypothetically if KU instead of going three and nine had gone two and ten. I would have come in after the season and been like, that was a failure. You failed. I don't feel that way going into this season. Like, There's not a specific win number that I feel like KU needs to get to for me to gauge whether or not, you know, obviously there's a number that they, there's a number of games they that they could lose where I'd be like, okay, now it's a failure. You know, if they, if they do 
step back and go three and nine or two and ten, that's a failure, right? But if you get to that, if you like get to five, five wins or six or seven like that in that range, like I'm not viewing it as like, oh, they need to get to this number of wins, uh, because I, I don't know. I just I feel differently about it. To me, it now it's more about. I think I mean you want to get to a bowl, obviously, which would, in that case would be six wins. But but I'm just just from the standpoint of last season, it was very cut and dry, three wins, and if you don't get to three wins, it's probably a failure of a season. I do not feel that way at all going into this season. To me, it's it's more of a if you can get to a bowl again, that's great. But like if you go six and six and you lose your bowl game and you're six and seven, eh, whatever. If you get if you go if you get to seven wins, great. If you get to eight wins, fantastic. If you're five and seven, but you had a you know still a pretty solid season, Daniel Daniels was great. You know the defense hurts you in a couple games or whatever. Sure, great, whatever. I just don't feel that same way as it did last year. I don't know. I mean, do you, me- do you remember Derek when we were talking about that last year? Last year to me, it felt like there was it was very cut and dry. It was you must win three games, and if you don't, failure. I don't think that's the case this season at all going into it. For sure, for sure. I think uh, you know. Six wins, five wins, like uh, six wins is the mark because you make a bowl game where it's like, okay, we're yeah. cool with this. Seven, I think you'll be really happy with anything more. Obviously, is is ecstatic. Uh, if you end up with four or five wins, I think it'll be one of those things where it's like you probably lost a lot of close games. Maybe there are some injuries where it's like, yeah, that wasn't ideal, but we understand it. Progress isn't always linear. You go back to the the Mark Mangino where he made his first bowl game in year two, then missed in year three, then made it back in year four. So you would understand it. I think three wins or lower, that would definitely be disappointing. Um, Not disappointing to the level of like, oh, like hot seat or this guy's got to go or there's got to be changes. Nothing like that, but it would just be disappointing from a standpoint of what you're kind of expecting them to do. So, uh, yeah, I I think that all makes sense. Now, seven is also, and this will help with that win total, the amount of home games that KU is going to have in 2023. They have two of their three non-conference games at home. They have five of their nine conference games at home. And so if you just look at it from a standpoint of putting the math together, if you can win at Nevada, which you're going to be expected to do, and you can, because we've talked about this in the past, that um, you know KU has, under Lance Leipold, done a much better job on the road in Big 12 games. You look back to the win at Texas. You look back to the near win at TCU in uh, 2021. Then last year, you uh, obviously get a win on the road against West Virginia. I guess technically, if you want to count Houston, that would be like a second road win. But at the end of the day, they still haven't won multiple Big 12 road games in a season since 2007, the year they won the Orange Bowl. So if we just want to be conservative with it and say they're going to win one Big 12 road game and you can win on the road against Nevada, that would basically mean that you need to go four and three at home to make it to a bowl game or five and two at home if you want to improve on your win total to seven wins, which when you say it that way, it, it seems doable. Yeah, four and three at home. You're right. It, it when you put it in that context, it sounds like you should be able to do that because you feel and to like be clear that that even like if we assume they're going to beat Missouri State, that just means you got to go three and three in the other six or four and two in the other six. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's very doable to get that done. And, like, yeah, obviously Oklahoma comes into Lawrence, and, you know, that's not going to be an easy game to win. And, and all these Big 12 teams who um, could be bowl teams too, like those aren't going to just be gimme wins. But that is something that is very doable. And, and I think you add to it that, you know, we saw last year the attendance numbers, the crowd capacity, the crowd environment at these KU games was just so much better from what we'd seen in the past. And that's kind of the Lance Leipold, Jalen Daniels effect and everything that, 
you know, it's it's one thing to say, oh, well, it's, you know, go three and three at home against uh, power five opponents, uh, but your home field advantage isn't a advantage at all. But now it is, right? If, if you assume that they're going to have the same type of attendance that, you know, they, they had last year in a lot of these home games, maybe even better because you, you did it for a full season and, you know, now you're looking to grow from that. I guess that's kind of an interesting stuff. Do you think they're going to sell out like like all their home games this year? Uh, I would assume so. I, w- I would assume so, yes. I actually feel pretty confident that they probably will get close, uh, I would think. Uh, I don't know. The Missouri State on Friday night, I mean, it's opening night, so does that mean it's going to be a sellout? But it's Friday night. I'm not 100% sure. But you kind of said exactly what I was thinking also with, with KU now feeling like they actually do have a legitimate home field advantage because – Think about this. What is kind of the one term we've used a lot with KU looking at their schedule this season? It's that they have a lot of coin flip type games, a lot of games that you feel like maybe our 50-50 could go one way, at least right now, sitting here, you know, July 14th, talking about these games. It feels like there's a lot of games on their schedule that are coin flip type games. Well, in college football, what is the one thing that can boost you in a coin flip type game? Home field. And it feels like KU now finally does have that home field advantage that you touched on. So if you if you're gonna say KU's got you know fit a couple 50-50 games there, their home field advantage could be the difference between them going four and three at home versus three and four. Uh, I mean, and that's not that's something that's kind of crazy to say because you're right. In the past, it has not felt like KU's had a real home field advantage, but I feel like this year it's definitely gonna be felt. I mean, it was felt last year when they were winning games, and yeah. So I I think that's a really interesting point that. KUA has a lot of coin flip games, especially a lot of coin flip home games like the BYU, your UCFs of the world. Those types of games that if you think are pretty much coin flip and then you throw in the fact that KU is playing at home, I mean, you've said it yourself, Derek, you feel like in college home games are worth a good three, four points, right? So there you go. That should be your chance to win maybe a couple of those games where we think they might be more coin flips. Yeah, yeah, and and when I say sellout, like yeah, the Missouri State game maybe it'll be you know forty two thousand instead of, but I, I think they'll all at least be you know in that range forty thousand plus, which will be good attendance for uh, for all those sorts of games. Uh, seven also represents the yards per play the KU's offense averaged last season. That was number one in the Big Twelve. Now you know on one hand you would say you were number one in yards per play last year. You have ten starters back on the offense and. You have all sorts of depth back. You added transfers to the offensive line to where, you know, I uh, that's very exciting that it's like, well, why wouldn't it get even better than that? And if you were already number one, will you become not just the best in the conference, but now become one of the best in the entire country there? Or do you think it is more likely, I guess, do you, do you think that number is more likely to go up, stay the same, or go down in the standpoint that um, maybe more teams have, have more tape on you and, and more time to figure you out? Yeah, I kind of I'm I'm more inclined to say that it might stay the same or maybe fluctuate just a tiny bit up or down by like you know half a yard or something like more or less. I I don't I don't expect it to take a big jump positively or negatively because you're right. I think there are going to be some some defenses that maybe understand a little bit more what KU wants to do. But but listen, you want to talk about defenses trying to figure out Andy Kolnicki? Well, Andy Kolnicki has also had now you know another off season to get in the lab and concoct whatever insane, crazy plays he can come up with to, to further you know uh, throw into the madness of what he does. So it works both ways, I think. And I mean, like you said, everybody's back for KU. Your schedule is going to be tougher. You might be facing some tougher defenses, maybe a little bit. But 
I yeah, I still feel like that number should be around the same. And it I feel pretty good about that still being one, two, or three in the Big Twelve, probably total. Uh but yeah, I I don't know. I don't see it I don't see it fluctuating really heavily one way or the other. Uh because I, I do think that there's gonna be it's gonna be a little cat and mouse stuff, you know, and any any Nicky I get the sense that Andy Kolnicki loves that playing that game. I think he loves playing the cat and mouse where, oh, I'm going to do this. Oh, you're going to do that. Oh, I'm going to you know try this, or I'm going to throw in this, or I'm going to do this little wrinkle or whatever. I feel like he really kind of relishes that that sort of battle of the minds, I guess, against opposing defenses and uh, and really loves coming up with, with interesting ways to get different guys involved and, and to get and to do run creative plays like we saw some of it last year so. I'm expecting more of the same from Andy Kolnicki. I'm expecting more of him drawing up uh, devious, insane trick plays, whatever. And uh, you know, we'll we'll see how de- defenses respond. Uh, I think the the big thing here is, and I think we've touched on this in the past with KU, where this season, when you face the Oklahomas of the world, when you face the you know even like the t- your Texases, your maybe your your teams that are are clearly better. In the past, those teams would just roll out of bed and show up to the game knowing that they were gonna they were gonna kick you in the butt, right? That's not gonna happen mm-hmm. this year. It's gonna be a fight every single every single game. Uh, but to that point, I think teams are not going to overlook Kansas like they maybe have in the past, which means that that put that does put a little more pressure on Kansas to continue to show up and and perform at a high level. But uh, yeah, you're not you're not gonna sneak up on anybody anymore, especially with the offense. Yes, 100%. Um, now, the last number I have here with seven is Jalen Daniels rushing touchdowns from last season. And that was obviously in, in a limited number of games. What do you think the over-under would be or should be set at for Jalen Daniels rushing touchdowns? Because on one hand, you do have, um, you know, the extrapolated numbers where it should be higher. On the other hand, maybe they don't want him taking as many hits. I, I don't know. What would you set that at? I feel like 10 and a half is a good number. I'm pretty. I feel pretty good about ten and a half. I. I mean, I. He's certainly going to get more than seven, assuming he plays the whole season, right? I mean, that's how much he had in in limited, less games. So, uh, I. I mean, I. But to your point, you're right. Maybe, maybe they want to utilize more of his arm, and you know, let the running backs take the big hits, especially when they get in like the red zone and stuff. Uh, so maybe there's there's less of that type of plays, but. Ten and a half, I think, is a fairly. I'm fairly confident that I think that's pretty good. I feel like he can get to ten at least, and then you know that's why I said it at ten and a half because at ten I feel pretty confident in. Maybe he gets to eleven, but so ten and a half is what I'm going with. I think that's a good number, and uh, you know we talked when we did this with Devin Neal's rushing touchdowns. I think we said Devin's at ten, so that means I guess technically we're making Jalen the favorite to lead the team in rushing touchdowns. But that seems about right to me. There's there's more way like. With Devin, he might be rotating with another guy. With Jalen, you know, he's always going to be out there. And, and the idea of having quarterback sneaks and, you know, being able to scramble and stuff like that. I, I do say that, like, if you go back to the interview that we had with Jalen on uh, Wednesday's show, um, and I asked him about, you know, draw up what your dream play looks like to win the, you know, Big 12 championship or whatever. And he asked me, he said, what yard line are we on? And he basically, he said – Anything outside of two yards, I'm not running. So do, do you do you take that as just like, I, I don't know, do you take that as like he's been given word now of like just protect yourself a little more? I, I don't know. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no, that, that's to my that's to your point. That's what I'm saying. It's like once KU gets in the red zone, is it more of a 
hey, let's let the running backs take those hits. Let's not let Jalen Daniels take those hits. Uh, and so I, I think that makes a lot of sense. So, you know, but again, you don't, I don't think you want to really broadcast that because if defenses pick up on that and they're like, okay, well, once they get inside the 10, it's going to be, you know, if they're running read option, it's probably going to be a handoff or it's probably not going to be a quarterback run. So I don't know, but I, I do agree with that premise though, that yeah, once you get inside the 10, inside the five, you're probably not going to see much of designed quarterback runs. And, and, you know, I, obviously with like, with KU fans who are probably also Chiefs fans, you flash back to Patrick Mahomes dislocating his knee on a QB sneak. So like, I, I don't know, would you, are you willing to risk that with, uh, with Jalen Daniels at that point? Now, obviously you have Jason Bean. And so you, you could run Jason Bean in those plays as your backup, or you could run, you know, maybe you feel, maybe you do feel more confident running Jalen Daniels. So, I, I don't know, but no, I do agree with that premise of, to me, once you get inside the red zone, it, you have to be more wary of Jalen Daniels, you know, putting his body on the line. I mean, go back to the K-State game at the end of last year. Do you remember that play where he, like, did a 360 jump and got pile-driven into the end zone right near the pylon? Do you remember that? It was towards the end of the game against Kansas State, and that was when he was mm-hmm. still not fully healthy yet either. <laughs> so I don't think we're going to be seeing him putting his body on the line like that uh, hardly nearly as much this season, I would I would think. Yep. Uh, okay, we're going to take a timeout. This is RCST on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer with Derek Johnson. I'm in the KLWN studio. Derek's still on the road after uh, Big 12 Media Day. He'll be back in studio on Monday, but he... You know, the show goes on, and we got to get to our key mailbag. We missed it earlier in the week because of Big 12 Media Day. And as you know, Derek, this is my favorite segment, so I'm, I'm glad we were able to still get it in at least at some point because I was going to be, I was going to be distraught. No, the mailbag, the mailbag must go on. Sometimes delayed, sometimes not on the proper time, but it will always be there. And first up is from Kenny. Do you believe in dinosaurs? Okay, so I have two... I have two other thoughts on this question. Is the question saying, do you believe dinosaurs existed? Or is it saying, do you believe in dinosaurs like today? Like, do you think dinosaurs are out there right now? Uh, I, I don't know. It's an open-ended question. Okay. Well, I, I mean, I don't think dinosaurs are out there right now for the time being. Do I believe in dinosaurs? Yeah. What, I mean, dude, dinosaurs are sick. They're really cool. They've got, you know, they're ancient. They're old. There's the T-Rex. There's, you know... Uh, velociraptors there's pterodactyls there's all kinds of i mean i do how could you not believe in them they're 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 cool cool creatures and uh yeah so of course i believe in them absolutely 100 percent. not even a question yeah i mean i no i i definitely believe i actually would take it a step further i think there are still dinosaurs what do you think about that you think there's a jurassic park out there somewhere no, I think uh, in the ocean, man. There's so much that's in the oh. ocean that we don't know about or that's unexplored. I think there's like basically things that were considered to die. You know, you know how like deep the ocean is, stuff that we've never like been to or will oh, never yeah. be no, able to I go actually, to. I don't want like, to think about that because I don't like the ocean. But mm. Yeah, yeah, but you don't go in the ocean, so it doesn't matter. Well, I still don't want to think about it. It's scary. <laughs> okay, okay, yeah, but I, I'm just saying, like, there's there's creepy. Honestly, like. Basically, just like smaller dinosaurs, alligators. Um, no, they're not. They're they're, they're different. They're totally different. Okay. I mean, don't you know anything about that's part anything of it related to the animal kingdom? You know, back, that, back, you know, that's just wrong. You're just wrong. 
back in the day of the dinosaurs, it was like there was different levels of oxygen. So you had things that were like way bigger than they would be now. So like if you had a, uh, a certain dinosaur now, like it might be way smaller. So for all we know, like a, uh, an alligator, you know, could have been a prehistoric type creature, but it was like three times the size. I don't know. Um, okay, this one from Joshua. If each power conference was forced to integrate one FCS program, which five are selected and to where, which of the five has a winning record soonest? Well, I think for the Big 12, well, I don't know. Would would North Dakota State go to the Big 12 or the Big 10, you think? Oh, that's a great question. I think Big 10, they, they'd make for like an easy rival with Minnesota. Okay. So Sam Houston was FCS. I don't know if you want to count them or not. They had been FCS for a long time, and they were one of the other. FCS no, they're analysis. they're moving up this year, so you can't can't count can't count Sam Houston. No, I would I would put North Dakota State in the Big Ten. Okay, I would put South Dakota State Big Twelve. Mm, okay, true. Yeah, South Dakota State in the Big Twelve. Yep, that makes sense. And then I they think, can uh, just play each other in a non-con game every year. Wouldn't you put? I think for the uh, ACC. What do you think of like, I don't know, Villanova or Delaware in the ACC? Those are two pretty good. FCC I think those games. are good ones. Yeah, yeah, both of those are are because like part of this is like like we, I could be like, oh well, last year, you know, Sacramento State was ranked fourth. We'll add them to the Pac-12, but Sacramento State's not like a consistently good team. With Villanova and Delaware, those are consistently good teams. And in the case of Villanova, obviously with like basketball, that would like add something real. So, yeah, if we want to do Villanova to the ACC, I think that makes sense. And then I think in the Pac-12, you got to add either Montana or Montana State, right? Yeah, I think that's a good one. I mean, it's either one. I don't know which one you would, um, but especially if you want to you know, keep that kind of Pacific Northwest with Oregon and Washington and Washington State. Yeah. I think that makes a ton of sense. Well, wait, it's, so wait, who are missing? The, isn't, the Idaho, isn't Idaho FCS now? We can put them in the Pac-12. They are, but that didn't really work when they were in the uh, the whack, right? So I, I'd rather well, obviously go for, they're I, I don't know. yeah, obviously they're a bad program, but I'm just <laughs> you know I'm just saying. Hopefully yeah, we, we don't have any. Who Idaho do you want to add to the SEC? Uh, okay, in the SEC, I think you could, I think you could go for uh, Stephen F. Austin. That would be an option for the SEC. They are are they are in Far East Texas. I think you could go for Nichols, who has been a perennial pretty good football program and also pretty good in in uh in basketball recently uh Nichols by the way I think Nichols has the youngest coach the youngest D1 coach of any school I'm pretty sure mm. uh, I don't remember what his name what is. if we make what if we make Deion Sanders go back to Jackson State and then add them to the SEC you could do that too you could do that too uh, if you're looking for, uh, you could add like, uh, isn't Florida A&M usually pretty good in football? Um, yeah, they're pretty good. Um, what about, what about like, I feel like Samford is always very good. They were ranked seventh last year. Uh, I think they upset Florida state a couple years ago. I want to say they're like Alabama or something like that. Also William and Mary, I feel like is usually good and they're kind of in the Southeast. I'm rejecting William and Mary. Why? I don't want to have to say William and Mary all the time. That sounds like a gigantic mismatch. Alabama versus, versus William and yes, Mary. Yes, exactly. Okay, okay, we're doing Samford because uh, Trimarcus Cheeks, one of our favorites, started his career at Samford. Okay, nice. All right, of those five, I think it's pretty obvious that North Dakota State would have the most, the best record, right? 
Yeah. I mean, I feel like if you put them in the Big Ten this year, they would win probably like they would maybe get to a bowl game, right? Right. Like, I mean, like like Rutgers, for instance, that's a team who went, I think, four and eight last year, probably four, five, six wins this year. Like, is North Dakota State worse than Rutgers? I don't, maybe not. You could make the argument for Montana or Montana State, whichever one, because those are really good football programs. They could probably beat the Arizonas, the Colorados of the world. But I think North Dakota State's got to be the pick, right? Yeah, um, like adding South Dakota State into the Big 12 like we did. I mean, it's just tough because even the teams were picked like like Houston's picked 12 from the Big 12, and it wouldn't shock anybody if they went to a bowl game. So, like, that's going to be a tough transition for them. I think it is the I think it is North Dakota State for sure, not just because they're kind of the best program, but also because if we added them to the Big 10, there are at least some teams that would be easier for them to knock off, like Northwest and Indiana, yep. Yep. possibly Rutgers, right? To where they could they could probably get there a little bit easier. And then, yeah, I would agree with the, if, if you do the Montana or Montana State, like those have been really good programs. They've got a good home field advantage. And um, you know who's another school actually for the Pac-12 that might make sense who uh, has been really good over the last decade, although I think had a down year last year, Eastern Washington. Like that oh, would be yeah. another good one too. Yeah. Um, they've produced a lot of like D1 level up transfers. Like that that would be one where, again, it's like there's some schools in the Pac-12 where it's like, yeah, could they beat Cal? Could they beat a Stanford, you know, and, and work their way to bowl eligibility? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Okay, this one from uh, KC Sports Authority. Which new Big 12 matchup, football or basketball, should KU fans be most looking forward to? Hmm, this is, this is a tough question. Uh, I think... Okay, I think on the football side, it might be when KU plays at UCF, which they don't do that this year. But UCF has a what? What are they? They call it the bounce house, I think, down there, uh, and they've got like a cool environment. So I think for football, the answer to me might be when KU plays at UCF, which unfortunately isn't this year. But I, I don't know what. what or I mean, because like KU at Houston, they've already done that. KU at BYU in Provo is cool. I don't think anybody really cares about Cincinnati, so there's no real reason to – no offense to Cincinnati, but there's no real reason to, you know. So to me, for football, it's got to be either at UCF or at BYU, and I think UCF has a cooler – I mean, BYU has, you know, the mountains and everything, but I think UCF would be my pick probably for football. This could be kind of a weather-dependent one, so – I think I, I don't necessarily know, though, by the way, if this question is about like where you visit. I think it's just which matchup should you most be looking forward to. I will say for the oh. visiting one, the, the going to Orlando, you could always go to like Disney World and stuff, too. If that would be a game at UCF where you're playing in the winter, too, where you're going down to Florida, it's going to be warm weather to get away from the cold weather in Kansas. That adds to it. With BYU, you can go up there. you got beautiful mountains like you can go there in the winter and go skiing and stuff. Uh, but yeah, just in terms of so for, for football. Uh, I, I guess we're just going with the ones that are on the schedule, which is all of them except for Houston. Um, honestly, to me, it it probably is the BYU game is most intriguing just because it's your first conference game and it's their first ever game as part of the Big 12. I think the UCF game, though, is, is probably the most interesting just matchup overall because with the UCF, you have Gus Malzahn coming in. John Reese Plumley is a really good dual threat quarterback for them. You have him against Jalen Daniels. And, uh, you know, what are they going to bring to the table in the Big 12? 
as far as basketball, we don't know what the schedule is going to be. It's so who they're going to play, right? when they're going to play, where they're going to play. But I think for basketball, for me, obviously the Houston game is the most prevalent because those will both be you know top 10 programs. But outside of that, it would be going to BYU because that is actually like a low-key, really good home court environment playing at BYU. Tough place to play. You have the altitudes. So, yeah, those would be the ones that stick out to me. Yeah, I mean, I think in basketball, it's got to be Houston, right? Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, uh, so, this one from Derek Ho. Uh, who starts at the other guard position in the beginning, so non-conference part of the season, in conference play and in the tourney? So kind of splitting things up to the beginning of the year, uh, kind of the middle of the year, and then the, the postseason, the end of the year. El Marco Jackson, Arterio Morris, or Nick Timberlake? Yeah, I mean, I, I think at the beginning of the year, that's your best chance to see Nick Timberlake get the start there. I mean, unless El Marco just is, you know, doing really, really well in summer and in, and into the fall camp and everything, uh, what does Bill Self generally lean towards? He leans towards experience, so the more veteran guys. Now, the thing about that, though, is is while Timberlake is obviously experienced and a veteran player, he's not an experienced or veteran player in Bill Self's system. So I don't know. I don't know how much does that make a difference, just the fact that Yes, he is an experienced player, but not specifically with Bill Self. So maybe that kind of puts him actually on an even footing with El Marco in terms of who might get the starting nod or whatever. But uh, I do think if El Marco turns into what it kind of seems like he his potential could be, I think he's definitely going to be starting probably by the time he gets to the tourney. I actually think that, though, depending on what happens in conference play, you can see Timberlake start more in conference play. If nothing else, because... Let's say you do go on the road somewhere and you and Bill Self does want a more reliable veteran player on the road uh, early in games. Uh, so I would not be surprised if it's more of Timberlake in conference play. At the beginning of the season, I think El Marco has a decent chance. Timberlake in conference play maybe. And uh, and then in the tourney, I think you maybe have to lean back to El Marco, assuming at that point he's reached his potential of being a, a dynamic scorer who is super athletic and can do a lot of different things. So... I, I don't know. I mean, I think if I had to put a number on it, you know, let's say KU plays KU plays 38 games this season or 36 games, however many games they play. I mean, Timberlake maybe gets, I don't know, is 20 starts for Timberlake too high and then Omarco gets, you know, 16, 17, 18? I, I don't know. How do, you, how do you divvy up that? Yeah, I, I kind of think that, you know, there's a way you can get like Nick Timberlake around 25 minutes per game, Arterio and El Marco each around like 20 to 25, probably around that 22 range. A big part of this kind of boils down. We don't know what's going to happen with the Arterio Morris court case, which is kind of um, creating some, I would say, hurdles for KU right now, to say the least, with, you know, having him around the team and, and practicing and those sorts of things. Um, to where I would definitely say for me, it would be between Timberlake and El Marco to start the year. Um, I will go with Timberlake. I just think they need the three-point shooting. And, you know, honestly, it's hard for me to, to take Timberlake out at some point. I, I think Arterio Morris is going to be a much better three-point shooter than you might think. But again, because of the questions kind of off the court, um, I don't know that it'd be smart to assume he's going to start over Timberlake. And I think with, with El Marco, as much as he could end up being a very impactful player and a really skilled athletic player off the bench, because of the fact that KU really needs that three-point shooting so much, I think it's just kind of Timberlake coast-to-coast coast for me. Yeah, um, I, I think so, the big thing here, just real quick, 
I think the big thing here is, and I think you and I both agree on this, regardless of who's starting out of those three guys, they're probably going to all end up playing close to that 20 to 25 minutes per game range, right? So if you look at it from that standpoint, whoever quote-unquote gets the start maybe doesn't necessarily matter as much if they're all end up playing around the same number of minutes per game. Yeah, and so maybe to that notion, maybe we do see a Marco Jackson start because it looks good to you know, start five-star recruits that when you're recruiting the next batch of players, the next class of players, you know, you can be like, yeah, this guy started all the games on, on our team that was really good. And, you know, if he's getting the same amount of minutes as Nick Timberlake anyway, it doesn't really matter. So, yeah, may, maybe that ends up happening. Um, I'm just continuing to assume it's going to be Timberlake. Um, the, the one guy, like, I'm almost viewing if there's going to be a change in the lineup from the beginning of the year to the middle to the end, I, I think it's less about that spot, and to me, it's more about what is it going to look like with KJ Adams at the four, to where if you're not developing enough offensive spacing or that sort of thing, do you end up starting Kevin at the four with two of those three players, one at the two and one at the three, and KJ is still playing 20, 25 minutes per game, but it's coming off the bench in a little bit of a different role. That's where I think things get the most interesting. Um, but yeah, there, there certainly will be a big competition there. This one from Aaron, which would you choose? KU beats K-State and Oklahoma and Texas and goes eight and four in football this year with all four losses by single digits. All right, that's option one. Option two is Kansas goes 10 and two with a big 12 championship appearance. So I guess technically 10 and three, but you lose to Kansas State in the big 12 championship and both times you lose to Kansas State, once in the regular season, once in the Big 12 Championship, both both by 21 points. Which are you taking? Yeah, I I just can't stand lose. I I can't I can't possibly fathom going to the Big 12 title and losing to K State in the Big 12 title. Like that's that's a disaster. I think you have to go with option one. To be honest here, I think you have to. I think it'd be different if you won the Big 12 title. Like if you said in this that. You're eleven and two. You win the Big Twelve title, but in the regular season game, you didn't play them in the postseason. In the regular season game, K State beat you by thirty. Would you take that? I would take that. Yeah, maybe. I would probably because if you're that. hanging yeah. the Big Twelve yeah. title banner, like that's worth more. But at the end yeah. of the day, yeah. if seasons one's your one year ten and three, the other year eight and four, so it's really one extra loss. Even though you get to play for the Big Twelve title, you didn't win it, you didn't get the trophy, and because you you lost by that much to your rival, I think I would take option one, especially with it's the last time you're gonna play OU in Texas and who knows how long. And and getting yeah. to change the momentum of like of the importance of beating K State would be so critical for like in state recruiting and keeping momentum forward that I, I almost think in that scenario, going eight and four might even help you more in recruiting. Yes, hundred percent agree. I, I just, dude, I just, I mean, K State winning the Big Twelve Championship is fine, but beating KU possibly in the Big Twelve Championship by twenty-one points, I, I would not be alive for the show on the Monday after. I wouldn't be alive, especially after they just beat them like two weeks before that, exactly. by like twenty-one points in the regular season. Yeah, exactly. That'd be very tough to stomach. So I, I agree. I would I would take option one as well. But again, if you gave me the Big Twelve championship and option two, and you only lose to K State once in the regular season, at that point I'm I'm, I'm taking that one. Uh, this last one from Gus: Who will be the first Lance Leipold high school recruit to start for KU football? Hmm. Okay. Uh, I was thinking about this. So, does Davion Westmoreland would not count, right? So I guess, yeah, like the class a, of 2021, 
yeah. does not count, obviously. So I get the, the class of 2022 is the first class, correct? I would think so. Okay. So um, I guess let me roll through here just real quick the names from the class of 2022. Brian Dilworth, Caleb Purdy, Joey Baker, James Livingston, Davion Westmoreland, Ethan Vasco, uh, Tavita Noah, Mason Ellis, Dean Miller, Jalen Dye, Tristan Fletcher, Alex Rake, and then uh, uh, you had some transfers in that class. I guess, our, oh, you said high school recruits. Okay, so we're not counting the transfers. So, yeah, same thing uh, yeah, with, don't same thing with uh, Davion Westmoreland since he was from Hutchinson Community College. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, uh, let's just focus on high school. So, of that class, of the class of 2022, I guess Jalen Dye doesn't count as well because he's uh, Juco from Palomar College. Same with Dean Miller. Um, let's see. Mason Ellis, I think, is going to be a good player, but at the safety position... That might be a couple of years before you're starting. I don't think Davida Noah is ever going to be a starter. He only has, oh wait, he's a Juco guy anyway. Uh, Vasco obviously transferred away. James Livingston maybe in a year. Um, let's see. There's, honestly, Brian Dilworth's probably the answer here from the class of 2022. What about uh, Tony Terry? That was 2023, correct? Yep. He's a freshman. Yeah, that would, line, that would make some event. sense. So, so okay. So, so I'm I'm just trying to like pick a candidate from each class, and then we can cross compare. So, Dilworth from 2022, class of 2023. You've got Jaden Ham, which you know that could be a couple years to clear by, like Casey and Fairchild, Calvin Clements. Um, you've got Jamil Croft at safety, Jacoby Davis at corner, Siraz Buncombe, Jared Sample, and Keaton Quebec at receiver. Like you said, Tony Terry. We got Johnny Thompson at running back, Taylor Davis at safety, Marcus Calvin at D-line, Logan Brantley at linebacker, Blake Harold on the defensive line. I think there's a couple candidates here from the 2023 one. Um, Logan Brantley, right? You're going to be uh, – it's already kind of a thinner position for you right now with linebacker and one that, you know, Rich Miller is going to be gone soon and Tywan Berryhill is going to be gone soon and Craig Young is going to be gone soon. That one could make sense. Um I think in two years to 2025, you could be losing a lot at receiver. So like Siraz Buncombe makes a lot of sense for me there. Tony Terry, to your point, makes a lot of sense, but that's probably also in two years. Maybe Jameel Croft in a few years is safety. Um, and then maybe Jaden Ham in a few years. I, 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 I kind of think it is Brian Dilworth, though. Mm, I'm going to go with Tony Terry. Why not? On the D-line. Tony Terry for you. The reason I'm going Brian Dilworth, so... Kalen Gervin will be graduated after this year, right? Uh, Kobe Bryant and Melo Dotson might have decisions to make with the NFL draft after the year, depending on you know how the season goes. I think probably more so with Kobe Bryant. Um, but at the very least, you know Brian Dilworth right now he's probably either corner four, or corner five, depending on who would be ahead in the competition between him and uh, Demarius McGee, the transfer from LSU. And either way, that moves you up to either being corner three or corner four at the end of this year, if only Gervin goes. But if one of those other guys go, you might be the starting like Nickelback by next year. And at the very least, then we know Kobe and Mello would be gone after 2024. So by 2025, you, I feel very good that you are a starter. Whereas like with Jaden Ham, it's like the avenue's there, but there still could be this other guy. With Calvin Clements, the avenue's there, but it could take another year. With Tony Terry, like the avenue could be there or... You could be the third string that year, right? So for me, I'm going to go Brian Dilworth. Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think uh, with I think with Tony Terry again, like on the D line, you've brought in some transfers this year, but how many of those guys are going to stick? I I don't know. I like him. I like I like I like that option. And and he's he's okay. one of the guys that we've heard about a little bit from uh, from the coaches. 
Okay. I think my second pick might actually be Siraz Bunkum because, you know, uh, it, it's probably not it, like it's not going to happen this year. It probably won't happen next year. But I think 2025, it really opens up that I'm like expecting him to be a starter in 2025. All right. Uh, that is our KU mailbag. And one hour down on the show, two to go. We've got some Lance Leipold audio that we're going to get to you. We got a football draft of Big 12 football names. We uh, also have some more KU football talk in the five o'clock hour and lie detector test later on in the show. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer in the KLWN studio. Derek Johnson joins me via the road from Dallas, Texas, uh, after wrapping up Big 12 Media Days. Derek, how you doing? I'm doing good, man. Um, it's still been a fun out there? week, been a fun weekend, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm ready yeah. for this. Is it? I haven't checked the weather in Dallas. Is it any hotter than it is in uh, in, in Kansas? Oh, oh yeah, it's uh, very very hot. It it's is like bad. it's been like a hundred and I don't know, hundred five, hundred and ten. I at one point when I was leaving uh, Jerry World on Wednesday, my car said it was a hundred and thirteen. Yeah, that's that's just a no. That's just no. Just, just no, just, I just disagree with that. <laughs> well, you lived in, San I live in San Antonio. Antonio. Yeah. Yeah. I lived in San Antonio, which it's the funny thing about that is like when I lived there, I remembered it being hot, but I like, I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't, I mean, it was brutal. Don't get me wrong. And I generally didn't go outside during the summer between the hours of like 9am and 7pm. But I, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't remember it being. I didn't remember it being that bad for me when I was there. But then, since I've been back in Kansas, I'm like, dude, how did I survive? Yeah, no, that makes sense. Well, I'm looking forward to this. We are going to do a football draft as we do on Fridays here, football or basketball. Uh, figured it would just make sense with this being Big Twelve Media Day, um, or this week, I guess, to do football yep. team names. We did this with uh, baseball team names last week, so it's not going to be the actual mascot. It's going to be the team, what they represent. So, for instance, if you take the Jayhawk, you get like you get the, the mythical Jayhawk. Yeah, you get the right. Um, you don't get the you don't get uh, Big J person wearing the Jayhawk costume. Yeah, you don't you don't get Big J or Little J or no Baby J. Sorry. Yes, correct. Um, so we we there's only 14 teams in the Big 12. Obviously, uh, we normally with the football ones take eight each, which gives us 16 total players. Because there's only 14, we're dropping head coach. So no head coach, which I think is fine. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, you know, it's not like one of the teams is like the professors <laughs> or the geniuses. Yeah, exactly. So I, I think it works out. Now uh, we're drafting quarterback, running back, receiver, offensive line, defensive line, linebacker, defensive back. I will have the first pick. Do you have any questions before we get started? Um, I was thinking about this. What is a Sooner for Oklahoma? What is that? Okay, yeah, I guess this is a good time to, to diagnose what certain things are. So I actually looked it up. A Sooner is basically just somebody who is native to Oklahoma, essentially. Okay. Like, I, the, I, the, my, I was imagining it. Like, here's what it says on, on Google. Go ahead. It says uh, Sooners is the name given to settlers who entered the unassigned lands in what is now the state of Oklahoma before the official start of the land rush in 1889. So it's like an old person from okay. Oklahoma. That's kind of what I thought it was. I in my mind I was thinking it was probably some sort of like something had something to do with like uh like a wagon trail, like you know what I mean, like people that are like 
in covered wagons and stuff because that's what they that's that's what they do when they run out the sooner schooner you know so that's kind of what I figured what it was. I think the rest yeah. of them so that are is fairly that is. Uh, straightforward though, right? Um, I mean, I could tell you what a bear cat is because you might think it's something, but it's not that. The bear cat is it? Is it not a? Is it not yeah. a bear that's a cat? No, it is actually a, a bear cat is a nickname for a Himalayan raccoon panda, which technically is what it is. It's what? tiny. It's like oh. two feet tall. Oh, okay. Good to know. Good to know. So, yeah. So you might not want to, you know, if, if it was actually half bear, half cat, that might be a high pick. Okay. So I have the first pick. I'm going to take, I, I think there's a very clear um, number one pick here. So I'm glad this actually worked out that I have the number one pick. I don't necessarily know that there's a clear place to put him position wise or her, I guess. I get it. I don't know. Um, you could convince me offensive, defensive line, but I'm going to go defensive back here. My first overall pick is the Cyclone from Iowa State. Good luck throwing into a tornado. <laughs> See, I think the Cyclone profiles to be more of a defensive line. Because think about it. It just can whirlwind through you and go and mess up the quarterback and blow him down. Right? Yeah, and I, I thought about that, but, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, it's weird for me to envision it being a defensive lineman where it's like, it's, it's basically wind. You know what I mean? Like, it's not a <laughs> visible thing. Yes, it is. So, like, Dude, if, it, if it's just see, my defensive no, no, back, no. you're not completing a pass. Dude, it's a tornado. You've seen tornadoes. They're, you know, they're gray walls, basically. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I'm fine with it still being a DB. Because okay. it's still going to disrupt things. It's still going to be windy on the field. You won't be able to throw. It'll still come up and, you know, maybe it'll it'll toss a, a Gatorade tub at you while <laughs> a player's going over the middle trying to make a catch. Like, I'm not concerned. All right. So I have two picks now, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm going to focus on the off, I'm going to focus on the trenches here because I think in the trenches is where I'm I might win. Uh I I'm going to go oh man, cuz I want the Longhorns from Texas, but I can't decide if they make more sense on the O-line or the D-line. Cuz like on the O-line, they can just use their horns to just stop you. Like they just swing their heads with their horns and that would that would block you but on the d-line they could they would like charge you know so i'm gonna go with the longhorns and i think i'm gonna put them on the offensive line Mm. what you don't like that i don't think it's a bad pick but i i i would have i would have preferred them being on the d-line well okay for my d-line i'm gonna go with the baylor bears Dude, imagine five just massive bears. Just, I mean, how are you going to stop that? How are you going to stop five bears or four bears just absolutely destroying whatever your offensive line and destroying your quarterback? Yeah, no, that that's a really good one. Bears was clearly my number one defensive lineman. I was hoping that it made it to my next pick. And, and honestly, I had Bears as the number one D lineman. Longhorn is the number two D lineman. So those were both the D linemen that I put I, on I my think, draft board. I think so the Longhorns. I think the Longhorns are going to be solid on the on the O line though, because again, they got they got the horns. So they can just swing their horns, and you're I mean, you're, you're going to get clotheslined. You're not even going to be able to get past them. Okay, that's fine. How is the horn going to fit in the helmet? They're not, they don't need a helmet. They're thick. They have thick skulls. <laughs> but you get penalized for playing without a helmet. <laughs> I don't think that's true. I'm disqualifying that rule from this. 
Mm, I'm not. Or we just uh, build special helmets. Dude, we just okay, build, um, we just build see, special helmets where now. we just build special um, helmets. Boom. Okay, I'm going to take uh, my offensive lineman, and that is Golden Knights. So they're literally knights. What do knights do? They protect the king, right? They're, they're built with armor. Um, they have fighting skills. They're smart. They're cunning. They're athletic. Golden Knights on the offensive line from UCF. Okay. And then, hmm, this is where it gets a lot more difficult. I think very clearly, like, probably the those four that we have taken, to me, were probably the top ones there. Ah, man, there's a couple options. I am going to go, I guess... Both my defensive linemen have been taken away. We're going to go with Cougar on the defensive line. I guess I have to clarify which Cougar. Um, Let's go with the BYU Cougars on the defensive line. Dude, the BYU Cougars are obviously better than the Houston Cougars. I don't know how or why, but I just know it deep down that the BYU Cougars are better. So I'm annoyed you did that. Well, you have two safe picks, and uh, you can take the Cougars of Houston. I think I might. Yeah, I think I might have to take the the Cougars of Houston. Now, I want to get my... I want to get my quarterback, and I think there's some decent options. Uh, I like I like I like Cowboys as a quarterback. They're gunslingers. They can you know they're accurate. They're good with their they're quick with their hands, quick release. So I think I think I am going to go with the Cowboys, Oklahoma State, the Cowboys as my quarterback. This is like back to back drafts. You basically. Drafted Cowboys to be your quarterback. That's yeah, just like your thing. Maybe you're dude, a Dallas because Cowboys they're fan. Quick. Dude, think about it. It makes perfect sense. They are quick on the trigger, so they got a quick release. They're accurate, very accurate, and they, you know, it's great. It's a slam dunk. I think it's. I think they're obviously the best quarterbacks. Okay, now I want to go to my. I'm going to go to my secondary here. I'm going to go with the Red Raiders. Think about it. The Red Raiders. They're raiders. They're probably great on defense. They raid and they intercept and they break up stuff. They destroy stuff. Give me the red raiders for my secondary. Okay, I think that's a good pick. Um, I had them in behind Cyclone as my next DDB pick. Um, and I think that they're versatile enough. You probably yep. could have put them at a couple different positions, but I think that's the one that makes the most sense. Yeah. Okay, so you left the other Cougars on the board. I might as well just build a team of Cougars. The question is, do I take the Houston Cougars to play linebacker and just have like an all-Cougar front seven? I mean, that's going to be really getting after you. They're going to be on the same page. Or do I use a Cougar at running back? Because that could end up actually being okay if you put them at running back. And I don't I don't love the all the running back options necessarily. I think there's a pretty good running back option that, um, I don't know. I won't say anything else. Okay. Um, hmm. See, I mean, I, again, I do think Cougar would actually be a decent running back here, but I am going to take Cougars for linebacker. I'm, I'm going to—I I like the idea of having both sets of Cougars on the defense. Is, do you, you have know? any it's concerns like, we, about the twins? Uh, were like, oh, they have you know telepathic tendencies; they can like know what each other are doing without actually knowing. So that'll be helpful. Okay, that doesn't make any sense. Side. That doesn't make any sense. First of all, second of all, have you considered about the, the consider the fact that they're going to be you're going to be kind of undersized up front? Is that a, does that concern you at all? Um, I mean, not really. I mean, uh, a Longhorn versus a Cougar, like a Cougar's smaller than a Longhorn, but it's not like that by that much. It's not like it's a giant going up against a human. Like that's, that's pretty normal. So I, I don't know. Like, 
Okay. It's not I'm, that much listen, smaller. And what are the I'm, other listen, options? That's fine. All no, the that's other fine. That's fine. That are available. All the other options that are available at this point are either like humans or they're tiny. <laughs> All right. So I have two picks now. I have one more pick. Um, oh, you have another pick? Let's see. Oh, okay. 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 Uh, this might be a bit of a pander pick, but also I actually do think it's a good pick here. I am going to go with Jayhawks. We're going to put them at receiver. They can fly. They can get up and catch the ball. Um, specifically, if I get to choose which Jayhawk I get, obviously I'm taking the Warhawk, and it's going to be a receiver who like trucks over people. But yeah, Jayhawks okay. at receiver. That's not bad. That's not bad. All right. I have two picks now, right? Yes. Okay, I think you overlooked a sneaky good running back pick, and that is the Horn Frogs of TCU. Think about it. They can jump really high because they're frogs. They're horned, so you, it, it's going to be really tough to try to tackle them because they're going to you're going to they're going to like thorn you and stuff. And they're they they're evasive. They're, they're they can jump around. They're, they maneuver quickly. I think Horn Frogs is a slam dunk at the running back position. I knew you were going to do this, and I, I I was so ready for this to happen because again, this is just you completely discounting size. A horn frog is what matter. like Dude, four inches tall. That makes it, it even can't better. Hold the football. That man. makes it even better for them to be running back because they're going to be small to where they you're going to lose sight of them behind the offensive line. They can do whatever. They can jump around whatever. And, and you just said no, but they can't hold the football. They cannot hold the football. But that's fine. But the, that I don't know. I, that does not concern me at all in the slightest you also really you said they can jump high a horn frog can jump a foot and a half in the air yeah that's they can jump man they got good hops that's not that's not high what what, what? compared to these other things i think it's a slam dunk pick that was a horrible pick okay but i'm glad you took, right. i actually knew you were gonna take that because i knew you were gonna <laughs> it's the same thing with like taking the cardinal and the db uh, last week it's just nine it's inches tall. It's I just the same thing. When it okay. comes to these drafts, I just operate. I'll be honest. What? I, I thought you were winning the draft, and then with me getting the the Jayhawks pick and you taking the Horn Frog, that might switch it. It might. I think you're wrong. But anyways, mm-hmm. on to my next pick. My next pick. I need a linebacker, and uh, I, there's a pick that it, well. What, wait, so what else do I need? I need a linebacker, and I need my la- and receivers. A receiver. Mm, you're just going to make fun of me if I if I do this, but I kind of want to do it anyways. Well, to be clear, there's only four things left. So, I know. I mean, so there's, there's, not, there's Mountaineers, Wildcats, Bearcats, and what's the last one? Sooners. Oh, and Sooners. And Sooners. Okay. So here's the deal. I, I'm, you're gonna, you're gonna say this is wrong, but I'm pick, doing it anyways. Give me, I want Mountaineers as my linebackers. Just think about it. They're tough. They're rugged. They're outdoorsmen. They're aggressive. They know how to take down animals. They can do all kind. Of, you know, they're versatile. I think Mountaineers is a great linebacker pick. I, I don't care what you think. Linebackers, Mountaineers. Okay, I, I have that as my top quarterback on the board the whole way through. So I was hoping to get a value pick at quarterback. Uh, but unfortunately, you took that for me. Okay, so I have two straight picks. I need a quarterback and a running back. Obviously, Mountaineers off the board, so I won't be able to do that. The only three that are left, it's Sooners, Bearcats, and Wildcats at this point. Um, so I'm going to start here. Which of those can play quarterback? I think it's an obvious answer. Only one of those three can play quarterback. That is a Sooner. Could, so I'm, I think I'm the Wild. Have to put that okay. at quarterback. 
which means that at running back, I'm left with either a bear cat or a wild cat. Now, I think in theory, a wild cat's probably more ferocious than a bear cat. Cause again, it's a Himalayan raccoon panda. Like it, it doesn't look that ferocious, but also like, I don't really want to take the wild cat. And, and with the bear cat, you do get the allure of, it's like the, you know, it's, it's a team that um, is great walking off the bus and it might intimidate you. Like if you don't see a picture of my bear cat and you just hear the other team has a bear cat and you don't know what it is, like it might intimidate you a little bit. So I'm going to go with bear cat at running back. Okay, that's fine. I was honestly going to be okay with either Bearcat or so. My last option in the last pick is for wide yeah. receiver, so Wildcat's my wide receiver. I once it got down to Wildcat or Bearcat, I was pretty fine with either option uh, as my wide receiver. I think those are both pretty solid wide receiver options. I guess I do get kind of dinged just because it's K State, so that kind of stinks. Uh, so I, that kind of that does kind of suck that I got stuck with the with Ema with K State on my team, but Wildcats. If you look strictly at the wildcat aspect of it, it's actually, I think, a good pick for wide receiver. So I'm fine with that. Yeah, I, I definitely feel like this draft was tougher because, A, there were a limited amount. Obviously, there were only 14. So you were going to have certain ones that you might have had at different positions taken at other positions. And then you also have, like, just size-wise, a couple don't add up. Like, there's not enough. I don't know, receiver options, if you view it from a standpoint of like having just hands, you know, like the only option, like, are you going to put a, I don't know, a cowboy at receiver? I don't know. So this was definitely the hardest draft. I, I, I love, I team. think I have the, I, I love my defense, but I think you have, my I don't know, I, think man. My team I, I don't like I running back pick a lot. I, I don't know. I think it's a close I, one. Dude, the horn frog is a great running back. I don't understand why you hate the horn frog. Hmm. I just, it's tiny. It can't hold the football. Every every exchange, when you try to give it the football, it's just a fumble. <laughs> Disagree. Because think about it. It's got, it, it It can, I don't know, it's got horns on it. You can stab the football into its back and then it can just jump around. Genius. Mm, I don't think that's how it works. <laughs> I think that's exactly right, well, how it works. Uh, final teams here. Uh, you have the Cowboy quarterback, Horn Frogs at running back, Wildcat at receiver, uh, Longhorns on the offensive line. Bears on the defensive line, Mountaineers at linebacker, Red Raiders at DBs. I have a Sooner at quarterback, Bearcat at running back, Jayhawks at receiver, Golden Knights on the offensive line, Cougars from BYU on the defensive line, Cougars from Houston at the linebacker spot, and Cyclones in the secondary at defensive back. We'll uh, put that up at RCST1320, and you can vote on who you think you won the draft right now. I'm on a three-game winning streak, but I think this one could be closer, and I think Nick might uh, have the edge up in trying to get that second win. Let's go. All right, well, uh, that's going to do it for this segment of our football draft, the Big 12 Team Football Names here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. We have some more Lance Lightbold audio that we're going to get to you on the other side. You're listening to RCST. This is KLWN. Depend on it. Five o'clock hour here on Rock Chalk Sports Talk on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer, live in the KLWN studio. Derek Johnson joining via the road after Big 12 Media Days earlier this week. Uh, he'll be back in studio on Monday. Derek, do you, do you feel like the show is any different when you are gone, when you're not here? Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, I'm thankful to you because you've been uh, you've been great this whole week, being flexible and you know helping do the show and, and everything. So uh, very thank you to you and you've done a great job. So thank you for doing that. Oh, um, yeah. I mean, it's, it's not as, I don't know. 
it's harder to banter back and forth when, you know, I'm on a zoom and I'm away and we can't really see each other and stuff. So that's unfortunate. Obviously the audio quality isn't as good with me on the road. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited to get back in studio next Monday. Yeah. Because you know, part of the banter is, uh, listen, I'm a, I am a very, uh, expressive, like with hand movements, body language. I mean, I, I, people, people can't see it all the time, but you can obviously see it. So, you know, that uh, it is something that uh, that you know, I use a lot when I'm like trying to get across points and whatever, and so I can't really do that when you're when you're not here. So yeah, I'm 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 looking forward to be back. But you've done a great job with uh, getting all the audio and stuff, and it's been fantastic. So uh, thank you to you. Okay, well, thank you. Look at look at us just thanking each other. Yep. Uh, what a beautiful way to finish off our Friday. Thank um, I, I do have something I want to talk about because this uh, is, is something that. Um, I don't know. It, it rubs you the wrong way. Like it's rubbed you the wrong way with Odell Beckham Jr. and DeAndre Hopkins. The basically idea of, you know, going on social media and saying like cryptic things or not even like cryptic. Maybe that's the wrong word. Saying things that uh, or posting things that are very like ambiguous to where you're like, what does this mean? You know, and, and so just, um, just I guess, weird. first of all, there was this DeAndre Hopkins stuff like replying to Chris Jones, but uh, more prevalent um, is. Michael Boganowski, who is a four-star recruit. He's the top recruit in the state of Kansas. Um, he's a linebacker safety type, and he is being targeted heavily by KU. They had a bunch of their players go on social media and, you know, uh, like tweet stuff at him and whatnot. But it's it kind of been seen for a while that, like, Kansas State and, and Oklahoma were the two favorites. And, and actually, I think there was just an on-three piece released about that there's you know, that it, that it is those and that there's an internal like power struggle type thing that because his dad played football, I think it was like New Mexico State for the like linebackers coach who is now like the linebackers coach at Kansas State. Like it's, it's making it hard for that to happen. Now, I, I saw his dad like quote tweeted the story and was like, this is not true, like at all, all that stuff. But anyway, what I'm getting to with the kind of like cryptic tweet here is Michael Boganowski tweeted out a picture it's like a ai generated or, or maybe self-drawn i don't know who drew the portrait um of him like a, a painted portrait and it's got him on it with like a couple bandages on and then it has like a it, it says rcjh above one of his eyebrows but then it also has above his head like sitting on the top of his hair a skull with sunflowers popping out of it and then like a black cloud painting, whatever, right behind him. Um, would you like to recklessly speculate what this means? Yeah, so there's a lot to break down here. Uh, so he tweeted that last night. The on three story comes out today. Then his dad, re like, basically responds and it's like, no, this is wrong. So, like, there's all that stuff going on. And this is a situation where, kind of like you alluded to, it really felt like it was. So he's from Junction City, which is obviously about, I think, literally like 15 minutes from Manhattan. So it was it was a situation where it felt like Kansas State was the in-state school that was going to get him, uh, or Oklahoma. And now there's been a over the past, you know, I don't know, couple of weeks, there has been a at least on social media, there's been much more of a push from Kansas. And then Michael Bokanowski has kind of fueled into that a little bit with a couple. Of, he randomly tweeted out a picture of him from his KU visit that sparked some discussion. Now he's got this uh, tweet that uh, it, I just don't really even know where to begin on it. Um, he included so that was the picture, and then he also put he also included rock, hashtag Rock Chalk Jayhawk or R, you know RCJH as well. 
uh, in the tweet. But yeah, the picture is just like I mean, I, I there's just there's just so many different ways you can go with this. I mean, he's got a skull and crossbones. So is is he is Ku dead? And it's like, is that what he's saying? Like, oh, Ku's done. I'm not. I'm dead. I don't care about Ku. Ku's dead to me. But then Rock Talk, Rock Talk Jayhawk. That's obviously like you know, I, I I don't know. It's like the whole situation is just very 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 bizarre. Uh, and I really don't even know what to think of it. I, I sent you, I texted you the picture or the tweet last night and I was like, literally what the hell is this? <laughs> I don't know. Yes. Yeah. Because like the RCGH above the eye, you would think, Oh, that's great. That's great news. Rock Chuck Jayhawk, right? It's tattooed on his face. Like that's obviously a great thing, but the skull above the head, is that basically saying that me being a Jayhawk is dead? Or is that saying that he has dark thoughts about going to KU? Or is that saying that, he has something above him that's keeping him from going to KU, which would maybe go back into this story that was released today. Could the uh, skull in the darkness above his head mean he's he's dead on thinking about going to KU? Or like, you know, does it lead to internal conflict? I don't know. Do, does this make you want Michael Boganowski less? Um, not right now. If he continues with this crap, then yes, maybe. <laughs> But because I mean, listen, I have a very hard line rule on this. I, you know, I as yes. as people who listen to the show and as you know, as you are aware of, uh, yeah, I I I don't take this stuff lightly. Like if if you're gonna just be a weirdo on social media, that's that's just, I mean, just be just be normal. How hard is it to just be normal? I don't I don't, I don't understand. Uh, but listen, for the time being, he's the number one recruit in the state of Kansas. For Kansas, you know, Kansas State has had these types of recruits where. You know, there's been some guys from the Lawrence area that have ultimately gone to Kansas State, and Kansas State is like, oh, we got a guy from your backyard. You know, they, they go crazy for that stuff. So if Kansas did it back to them and got uh, Boganowski from Junction City, it would be objectively hilarious. Uh, so I'm I'm still pretty down for for Boganowski, and obviously being the number one recruit in the state of Kansas, he he's pretty good as well. Uh, but but I listen. There is a bit of a there's a bit of a fine line here, a bit of a tightrope you could be walking with this stuff because I will be out on you quickly if you keep this stuff up. So you know, but also I, the other thing is, I just want to say real quickly, I I am much more lenient when it comes to this when we're talking about guys that are not professionals. Does that make sense? Like if you are just yeah. if you're a younger kid, you know, on social media, you know, whatever, having a good time, I or you know, trolling whatever. I'm I'm more I'm definitely way more lenient or okay with that than if you're like DeAndre Hopkins, a guy who is a professional who has been a professional for multiple years. Those are the the, the professional guys are the guys that I really have an issue with it happening. If you're a, if you're an amateur, if you're more of a college or a younger guy, I'm I understand I and I am more okay with it. Okay. Okay. Well, I uh, maybe he'll end up picking KU, and, and maybe one day we'll be able to to understand the the photo. We'll be able to ask him for all the details of what everything meant, and he'll be like, "I thought it was obvious. I thought this was me telling everyone I was going to KU, and that this meant that, and that meant that." And we'll be like, "Oh, okay, um, okay." I, here's a KU football Friday question for the day: Would you rather Kansas football goes nine and three with Jalen Daniels winning the Heisman Trophy, or Kansas goes 11 and 2, wins the Big 12 title, misses the college football playoff and Daniels does not win the Heisman. So basically this question comes down to uh, do you value how much do you value the Heisman uh versus like the Big 12 title? 
to me, I think it's pretty clear you got to go with option two here. Kansas goes 11 and two, wins the Big 12 title. Uh, I mean, misses the CFP, eh, whatever. I don't really care about that. And Daniel's not winning the Heisman. Like, winning the Heisman, I don't know. It just, again, I think maybe from a national standpoint, Jalen Daniels winning the Heisman might actually be better for Kansas than if they just win the Big 12 title. But I, I, I don't know. I feel like from a program legacy perspective, from a you know recruiting perspective, from a building off of where you want to go perspective, winning the Big 12 is more valuable than winning the Heisman. Now, I understand that winning the Heisman would certainly bring a lot of notoriety to KU, I'm sure, and would draw a lot of attention. But I don't know. I just I feel like the Big 12 title, the Big 12 championship, would be even better, right? Especially in the last year of Oklahoma and Texas, their last two raw, and here comes Kansas, a team that was you know zero and twelve for like seven thousand years, and then they win the Big Twelve title in the last year of Oklahoma and Texas. So that sucks, Oklahoma and Texas. So I just think it'd be, I just think that would be more valuable because to me that's that's how I'm viewing this question. I'm viewing this question of. Which of these options is more valuable to continuing to build Kansas's program up to a perennial, you know, Big 12 title contender, perennial, you know, on the more on the national stage? And I just feel like winning the Big 12 title sets them up better for the future as opposed to Jalen Daniels winning the Heisman. I think the, I, I don't think there's any question that Jalen Daniels winning the Heisman, like this seat, like this in a in this particular season, like in a in the short term, would be fantastic for KU nationally speaking, but. Long term, in terms of building the program, I think you got to take the Big Twelve. I think you got to take the Big Twelve title when it's right there, right? So I actually go the opposite way with this. I, I do think that you know, if you're just living in the moment as a fan, it's just like obviously you take the more wins, you take the Big Twelve title. I actually think the bigger impact is the Heisman one. Um, so I, I always go back to the oh, Baylor man. year where they went nine and three. I think they went ten and three because I think they went the, they won the bowl game. And uh, RG3 won the Heisman. And, and to that point, before that year, Baylor was was kind of where KU has been over the last decade. Not quite that bad, but like they were consistently the doormat in the Big 12 and, and in the Big 12 South when it was divisions. And then RG3 won the Heisman. And then think about all the success Baylor has had since that point because of the level of recruiting that has jumped up and because of the notoriety that that got them. I mean, immediately after that, even without RG3, they were like a multi-time college football playoff contender, a big 12 title contender. And I guess I would say this, like when I go back and I'm like, Hey, remember that Baylor big 12 title team? When I say, Hey, remember that Baylor RG three Heisman year, which one do you remember more? Because I, I can't remember which year they won the big 12 title, but I remember the RG three year. Like I might not know the exact date, but you know what I mean? Like, like what do you think in 10 years people are going to remember more? Kansas State winning the title in 2022 or RG3 winning the Heisman in Baylor? I think it's the Heisman. I think that has an even bigger repercussion to recruiting and to that sort of impact that leads to longer-term success that I would take the Heisman. Okay, counterpoint. Lamar Jackson won the Heisman for Louisville, and what did they do? Oh, that's right, nothing. I, I get what you're saying, but I feel like with Louisville – that a couple different reasons. One, Bobby Petrino just leaves places in messes. Two is that, you know, that's already been kind of an established football program. Like Louisville has constantly like gone up and down, you know, they've had good years. They've had bad years with Baylor. They weren't an established football program. And I think with Kansas, I'm viewing it from a standpoint like that, where it's like, they're trying to establish something right now after a lot of really bad years, whereas Louisville will randomly have a nine win year and then go, you know, I think they won nine games last year and then they'll like win four games the next year. Right. So uh, that's the way that I'm doing it. That I think 
you would always be able to to be a part of that pantheon that I, I don't know. I feel like it would have such a resounding effect of raising KU football's recruit because like with Louisville, they, they are in a good area. They're already recruiting like good players with Baylor that changed them from being just another football school in Texas to being one where it was like a destination football school in Texas. And with Kansas, because you are recruiting that Texas area, I think that'd be like so critical. Okay. I do agree with you. Like from a fan perspective, yes, winning the Heisman, it creates more of that, more of that nostalgia, more of that memory of, yeah, I, I, I agree with you on that. I think from the fan perspective, winning the high, a, a player of that, that your is your favorite team winning the Heisman would be bigger. Yes. But I think from the program perspective, in terms of building longevity of it, to me, Big 12 title is more valuable. Yeah. Okay. Well, I, I think it is the Heisman. I just, I don't know, man. I, I feel like we've seen enough teams like win the conference that the next year they go six and six or something where I, I don't know, but I guess there's probably cases for that for the Heisman too. I think either way though, you'd be more than happy. If I guarantee you yes. either of those scenarios, you'd be like, okay, sure. We'll take either one for sure. Um, by the way, I was looking the other day and you can get on betting odds kind of in, in relation to this. Um, you can get Kansas to win the big 12 at 40 to one odds you can get Jalen Daniels to win the Heisman at 80 to one odds. Isn't the better bet there just taking Jalen to win Heisman? Because it's like, I, I know we made this hypothetical where we said he doesn't win it, but realistically in real life, if KU does win the big 12, doesn't that mean there's a really good chance that Jalen's going to win the Heisman and you can get double the odds? Yeah, I would think so. Like if you're, if you're Kansas and you're nine and three, 10 and two in that range, that means that Jalen Daniels is probably having a fantastic season. And I, I don't know if, if what I'm, what I'll be curious about is, you know, KU kind of became the national darling right last year when they went out and started 5-0. and Would there still be that same level of national darlingness for KU this year if they are, you know, 10-2, and right? Or, or I don't know, would there be any, is there any chance you think there'd be like some fatigue from the national media where like they hyped up KU last year because they started 5-0 and then KU has another great season and then now maybe they don't pay as much attention to KU? I'm not really sure. That is just a thought that I just had, though. No, I, I don't think so. There might be some fatigue if they start like 5-0 and again to where they'd be like, all right, well, we saw what happened last year. Like, you know, kind of roll your eyes at them completing it. I do think, though, th there is that next tier that, you know, uh, when teams take that jump from from having that like random six-win year to a 10-win year, like even when Iowa does it, Iowa does it every, I don't know, handful of years where they go from like six or seven wins so they'll just have like a 10-win year. It's usually when like Kirk Ferentz is on the hot seat and it's like, oh, this resets the contract. Um, that that still gets like talked about a lot. So I I don't, I don't think they're at that point yet. I, I think they're far away from it. Uh, and I, I think they're a very likable team, especially because of Jalen Daniels, very likable guy and, and very fun to watch. All right, this is Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. We're going to switch gears, do a little lie detector test coming up next on KLWN. Depend on it. Welcome back into Rock Chalk Sports Talk here on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. I'm Nick Springer in the KLWN studio. Derek Johnson joining from the road after uh, Big 12 Media Days. He'll be back in studio on Monday, but uh, we got Derek here on the line. Derek, uh, got any exciting plans for the weekend? I know you're visiting your parents, right? So are you going to do anything uh, for the weekend with your parents? Yeah, going to uh, do some golf, do some jet skiing, and then a uh, long drive home on uh on Sunday, but yeah, no, always, always happy to be on the weekend. I've never been on a jet ski and I don't really plan to ever go on a jet ski, to be honest. That does not surprise me at all. 
right. Well, uh, before the uh, end of the week, we got to get to our lie detector test here and see if people are lying or telling the truth. So, Derek, you want to lead it off here? Yeah. First up, Blazers general manager Joe Cronin on a Damian Lillard trade. If it takes months, it takes months. Okay. I just don't understand. <sighs> Listen, this whole saga is getting pretty ridiculous to me because he's he, he's going to go to the Heat. So I don't understand what would take months about that. You just go and talk to the Heat and be like, hey, what is this guy? You know, what, what do we got to do to get it done here? Because, I mean, I think if you're the Trailblazers at this point, the, this falling out has gotten kind of ugly, I feel like. So at this point, I think to just try to save face and not look like the bad guys, just go ahead and give Damian Lillard what he wants. I mean, he, dude, he, he toiled away for so long in Portland for your team. Just give him what he wants. Just, you know, whatever. Take care of him and move on with your franchise. I don't think it's that hard. I, I I don't think this is a lie in the standpoint of, like, they really will let this thing play out. I mean, Damian Lillard's under contract for multiple more years to where they're in a situation where, like, like this isn't the James Harden thing where, remember when James Harden asked for a trade and then didn't get it to start the year with the Rockets? He, like, gained 20 pounds and then, like, didn't try on the uh, basketball he, court. He wore the fat suit. I, I don't think Damian Lillard would do that. He wore the fat suit. Yeah, yeah, or whatever it was. But I, I don't think Damian Lillard would would do that. Like, he, he seems too competitive and, and, like, he cares too much to do that. So I think that uh, gives the Blazers enough leverage here to be like, listen, if the offer isn't there, we'll, we'll hold on to you till the trade deadline. We'll hold on to you for the whole year and trade you next offseason if we have to because we don't think you'll do that. And you're kind of, you know, if you really are going to sit out that entire time or not play, well, guess what? You're in a contract for, like, three or four more years, so... You just don't want to ever play again, right? Because, I mean, you're you're in your early 30s. Like, by the time you just sit out for three, four years, your basketball career is done, right? So, um, I, I do think there is some truth to this. But also, if we, if we get behind the idea of why say this quote publicly, to me it reads as, hey, none of you guys are offering good trades. Offer good trades or we'll just hold on to them. Yeah, I, 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 but I understand all that stuff. But I think if you're the Trailblazers here, you just don't want to look like the bad guy. And the more this drags out, and I don't, I mean, I don't know how much I'm buying your thought process that Damian Lillard would still play, even if he wants, uh, even like if the Trailblazers. I, I don't know how much I'm necessarily buying that. Uh, so that's, I guess, that's kind of the linchpin of this whole thing is how much do you think, if you're the Trailblazers, if you're, you know, whoever. How much do you? How much are you willing to bet that Damian Lillard would be willing to play if he's not traded versus you know sitting out? I guess that's kind of what you're running the risk of. I guess from the Trailblazer standpoint, though, like if he does sit out, then that's kind of fine because you're you already know that that's going to be your team in the future. So you just say, okay, that's fine. Like we'll just we know what we're working with already. We don't really care. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. There's a lot of there's a lot of weird moving parts to this. I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Next up on the list is uh, Zion Williamson, who said dieting is hard when you have money. Okay. I actually kind of buy this uh, because yes, if you if you do have money, you're. I mean, think about it. It's the classic case of it's payday. You get paid, and you're like, all right, I got paid. I'm gonna try to save some money. Your friend calls you up, and they're like, hey. 
you want to hit some McDonald's and then get a shake afterwards, you know, or whatever, get some ice cream. And you're like, dude, I just got paid. Absolutely. Yes, of course I do. So I actually am kind of buying this. I think this is the truth from Zion because I think a lot of people have been there. You know, the money hits your account. You're feeling good. You feel like you want to go get, you know, uh, a nice, nice, you know, fast food, whatever. And then that just kind of snowballs from there. So I'm, I'm actually buying this. I, I'm not actually buying this. I think it's easier to like one of the problems with, with eating healthy is it's expensive. Like if you're getting organic foods, if you're getting lots of like fruits and vegetables and stuff, like that stuff's more expensive than just like you said, like going to McDonald's and getting like a $2 burger. So I, I think it's actually easier to eat healthy when you're making as much money as it. Dude, he's making like tens of millions of dollars. He can just hire a private chef. But How the, is that not easier? The temptation to hit up McDonald's, to hit up wherever, it's it's even more so when you know you have a ton of money. No, I'd rather just be like, hey, private chef, make me this thing I'm craving. Make it healthy. <laughs> well, we, we neither one of us have private chefs, so we wouldn't know what that's like. Okay. Uh, Kadarius Tony is on lie detector test this week. So we talked earlier in the week about uh, him kind of going on like a, I don't know, it was like a social media rampage. There were some uh, like videos and screenshots and stuff sent about, you know, him in DMs with, with people who were, I don't know, like mad about the whole Giants thing and kind of going back and forth about it. And then he was sending like audio messages to them, like kind of cussing them out and, you know, doing stuff like that. So he tweeted this out a couple of days ago. My apologies. Okay, dude, listen, if you're going to play the I'm hacked card, don't have a voice memo with your voice on it. Like, that's the, how do you, what do you mean you got hacked? That's like, you, how do you, how does somebody hack that? I understand that we're getting into an era of, like, AI where, like, you can do some deep fake stuff, but, like, I, there's no way somebody would do that to Kadarius Tony right now. So, I if, if listen, the I'm hacked card or the I was hacked card, it's a good card to play. It's a great card to play. If there's no voice memos that clearly show that it was you. I think the funny thing, too, is like, like there actually are. We know with like AI and stuff, um, there are actually like softwares where you can basically like recreate someone's voice and type of thing to where like, I guess you could say that maybe somebody hacked you. And, but the idea, the idea that somebody would go through that to hack, of all people, Kadarius Tony. And go through it you know this isn't like tom brady or lebron james like so no the, yes this is this is the biggest lie of them all this week i think you don't think uh, any cincinnati fans that are extra extra trying to get into the rivalry was like dude what if we deep fake Kadarius tony getting mad at daniel jones but why would you do Kadarius tony like why not pick like dozens of other Chiefs well, players. because it was documented earlier uh, last season that Kadarius Tony was disgruntled, but the Giants, you know, what they were doing, basically. So that's, I guess it's an easy target. But you're right, why wouldn't you do, Why, if you were going to do that, why wouldn't you, like, deep fake Patrick Mahomes saying his saying how much he actually doesn't like Brittany or something like that? I don't know. What if What if Patrick Mahomes' voice is just un, uh, like, AI-able? Because of the Kermit effect? Yeah, you just can't do it. You just can't do it. Uh, but yeah, that is clearly a lie. He did not get hacked. Okay, this one from uh, Kevin Durant. Um, I'm seven feet tall and have the skill set of a shooting guard. I am the best scorer in NBA history. My only weakness is injuries. This is a really an incredible bit of self-awareness, I feel like. Uh, okay, first of all, the first part of this, I think, is a lie. 
Seven feet tall. Dude, you're not seven foot, I don't think, officially. Are you? So lie. Immediate lie. For, which, first of all, this the, the thing that really irks me about that is you only need to do that if you're like 5'11 and tell people you're six foot. Like, if you're 6'11, you don't need to tell people you're seven foot. They know you're really, really, really tall. So I don't understand that at all. The injuries part, I kind of understand. Uh, I mean, listen, this is one of this is a classic case of I think he pro- he probably personally believes that you know he's the greatest shooter, or whatever all that crap. But maybe it's like up for debate or not, you know. But I don't know. So I don't know. You can't really call it a lie, I guess, can you? No, I don't think you can call it a lie. Like I think he truly believes that. I don't know, man. He might be up there. I mean, for, for being that tall and being a great shooter, um, I, I don't think this is necessarily that wrong. Um, like, maybe you could, okay, well, Steph Curry's the best shooter or whatever. But, like, you know, it's it's not like that big of a deal. It's not. So, I'm not, I'm not going to put any lie on this. Uh, last one we got here, Sean Casey, who was a former MLB player. Uh, then he's been with MLB Network on TV for, I don't know, a decade or so. He was recently hired by the New York Yankees to be their hitting coach. And here's what he said. I feel like that job at MLB Network has set me up in a way to be an incredible coach because I basically had been coaching for 15 years. Every time I'm on air and I'm watching games and I'm having to break down players, guys that are hot guys that are struggling, what could they do? I feel like there's nothing when I coach this team, there's nothing that I don't know about what the swing looks like from the ground up, what it looks like mentally to be a great big leaguer and to have success as a team up and down the lineup. So MLB Network has made me feel ready for this job. Uh, is this a lie that being on TV makes you a better coach? Okay, didn't uh, didn't Herm Edwards say, or was it Rex Ryan? Somebody, there was a guy, a coach that was on ESPN that said something similar to this. I was basically like, Oh yeah, working at ESPN made me a better coach. Was I think it was Herm Edwards, wasn't it? When he went back to Arizona State, that wouldn't surprise me. So uh, I don't know. I mean, I think from a macro perspective, it probably actually maybe is beneficial when you're when you're do it when with something like this because you can you like you take a step back. You're not uh, biased isn't the right term, but you know what I mean. You're not like I feel like if you're working with a guy every day. You, you might become uh, blind to maybe minute issues. You know, it's the classic case of, like, taking a step back, looking at the big picture, and then suddenly you see something that what seems totally obvious, but you missed it because you were stuck in the minutia of whatever. So when it comes to, like, hitting, you know, maybe you're so you're hyper-focused on whatever, and then maybe you miss this something else or whatever. So I don't know. I guess, I guess it kind of makes sense. So I'll, I'll buy it, I guess. All right, that is Lie Detector Test for the week. Uh, We'll be back with some more Lance Leipold audio after this. With Nick Springer, I'm Derek Johnson. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk on KLWN. Depend on it. Well, that's it. If you're listening on our podcast side, thanks for tuning in. Please give us a positive review if your platform allows you to do so, as you can find the show anywhere you get your podcasts with the best of RCST podcast. If you do have any questions for the show, whether it's for a mailbag, just something you think that'd be fun to talk about, you can reach out to us on our Twitter page at RCST1320. You can also email us if you don't have Twitter. RCST1320AM at gmail.com. That's RCST1320AM at gmail.com. And if you want to listen live, 3 to 6 p.m. Central Time, Monday through Friday on KLWN, KLWN KLWN.com, and the KLWN app. Have a good rest of the day and see you next podcast.